everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. Happy July! I can't believe we're here already and I hope all of my Americans had a nice July 4th weekend and hopefully a fun one. This was another illuminating round of footy as we edge closer to the finals and the ladder has shifted again, so the Western Bulldogs are currently in the top spot. Top dogs, just like their membership tier. And you just can't say enough about the playing group and the team overall, and I am constantly watching their highlights and re-watching them on the subway, so I've definitely made a few people around me curious about what I'm watching, but you just can't take your eyes off them. I know there's still plenty of games to come along, though, with lots of other celebrations, I feel, for their team and otherwise, and there's a little hesitancy with where the fixture will land. It took some time to iron out the details for this weekend, so kind of a bit of fireworks blown up the fixture. I have a feeling they're not over yet. The date and times are TBD for all fixtures beyond round 17 this weekend. So it's kind of ironic that last year, no Victorians were able to attend any AFL games. And this last round, Victoria housed all 18 teams of the comp and had all of the games there. But there were a ton of announcements in just the last few days, almost like a PA system. I always think of the AFL like a PA system instead of like the Players Association, where they're just churning out announcement after announcement. But I have to start with the best news to wake up to. And this morning, (laughs) the news that I personally have been waiting for, and I know for many others too, Parrish re-signed an extension for two years. So until he hits free agency, that's the deal I would want for him. I don't know if his management even entertained anything else, but it's everything that I've been hoping for. You guys know to have that McMarish midfield (laughs) of ours on lock. And there was a hilarious tweet from the club when they made kind of a sneak little announcement. And it looked like a Greek parish. They just posted like an image and there were bells kind of tolling in the background. So that will keep me smiling for the day and the week. And it's definitely a continuing (laughs) celebration for us. And we just have one more, I think, kind of big signing left for our team. But let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now. So when I was recording the last epi, I got an emergency alert that was pushed out to our phones about a heat advisory (laughs) notification. And all of NYC was told to just immediately limit our energy usage to prevent power outages as this intense like heat continues. And I'm constantly getting heat notifications from my energy bill company where they're kind of giving me warnings that they know that it's going to continue and that's going to keep happening. And just for us to be aware that they're aware. (laughs) But we were also just kind of told to avoid to use certain appliances, and unnecessary use of air conditioning. So this really reminded me of the blackout and countdown to blackout scenes in In the Heights. We're all just kind of burning up. And I think today might be the hottest day of the week. It's always the day that I choose to talk about footy and all the hot takes and hot topics in sport. So hopefully there won't be any notifications today. While I'm here, since we're kind of trending in that humid direction again, 
And Andrew and I spent the 4th of July with our friends, Amanda and Scott, and we just had the best day hanging and like walking around. It was the perfect day to be outside. And then we had dinner at a really nice spot in Jersey City. And the restaurant is called Locale with like a K. And they actually had a private area where you could kind of watch the fireworks from after your dinner. So you kind of didn't have to line up like the rest of the area where people were just kind of shoulder to shoulder waiting for fireworks. It was really special. I think every year we pick a different spot to kind of catch the fireworks from. And obviously last year we didn't have any, but it was really special just to see the fireworks next to the Freedom Tower. And it was kind of symbolic after the year we've all been through I actually have the story up on Instagram if you saw it, but it is crazy to think, too, that you can kind of be in the same place as your friends and you just don't get to see them. And then the pandemic kind of adds more time and space to that mix. So I'm just really grateful to be able to gather again and not in big groups, but just kind of like we've been doing for brunch, et cetera. So we haven't been as busy (laughs) as we were in previous weeks, but it's just how we like it. And I have to just give another shout out to, I think, another Aussie cafe that we went to, Charlie Street. So check that out, too, if you're looking for some good Aussie cafe food and coffee. So France has gifted the U.S. with another Statue of Liberty 135 years after the original Lady Liberty was gifted to us. And this Liberty, (laughs) we've nicknamed Little Sister, and she's been kind of living in Paris for the last decade since she's been Finnish. So... The Statue of Liberty was actually celebrating Independence Day, kind of with her little sister this year, which I thought was really cute. It's a smaller bronze statue, and it was erected across from the original Ellis Island statue, so they were kind of facing each other for the celebration until yesterday. And now little sister will be taken to Washington, where they're going to unveil her at the French ambassador's residence in time for Bastille Day. And really the only other thing I'm looking forward to besides the games is the new Loki episode. I don't know if you guys are watching. I always kind of have a little Marvel story, but last week's episode was mind-blowing and so great. And I'm just really looking forward to tomorrow because the next episode will drop then. As for what's going on in Australia Some of the cities are actually easing restrictions, and I know the capacity is raising for games this weekend. I know it's kind of like varying across all states and across the country, and I know that there's been dictations about how masks will probably be a given for years to come. We're always waiting for news and kind of looking for news about when the borders might reopen. But as of right now, I think that they're going to be more conservative. And I'm just hoping that at some time next year, that will happen. It's kind of a world away from last year when Andrew and I were flying to Australia. And when we were at LAX, there was a whole wing of people who were wearing masks and it kind of surprised us. And even a few people on our plane, I think maybe three people. So this was in February, just before everything kind of blew up. And then when we came back, it was almost like the world shut down. But we were even talking about when we were in Australia, like how crazy is it that some people were wearing masks? And then now it's just like a way of life (laughs) and something that people adopt. And again, like we're still wearing them on the subways. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL headlines and highlights from Round 16. 
So Gold Coast versus Richmond. Gold Coast kind of burned Richmond with their blazing sun and caused one of the biggest upsets this season and sort of forced everyone to consider, like, is the current dynasty in the decline? The game was definitely a surprising game, and I would say just the blow up of the round right off the bat. And it is being hailed as like the upset of the century, but I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, Richmond was sitting at eighth on the ladder, but right when the game started, it just looked to me as if the teams switched places in terms of players at the beginning of the match and they were playing like their opponent would, which was really surprising. And Gold Coast was just so great at finding space and an unguarded player on the field for their marks. And they exercised just really great instincts and creative plays. And there was a trust in their playing group that you don't always see where, you know, if you get it forward, your teammate will take care of it. They had some wide open goals. So again, I don't know if it's an upset of the century, but I loved seeing Gold Coast supporters in the stands in Victoria. And in the last quarter, two spectators kind of ran onto the ground and were just dragged off the Marvel field. But it was hilarious that like pitch invaders on the field was marked as like a timestamp for the viewing. I think the um, kind of people who ran are looking at like a 10K fine. So it's a pretty big fine. But great finish for the Suns and for Ben King, who had an enormous game. So even if it looked close until the end, it really was Gold Coast. And for them to pull that kind of a game, I think is just the biggest shock of all. In the Sydney versus West Coast game, the Swans beat West Coast by 92 points. I think the most distinctive part of the game was just that one team was as good as the other one was bad. So one was really playing amazingly and the other one was just really kind of stinking hard. It was really one-sided in the excitement. I was really, really happy for Sydney. They probably played their best game that they have in a while. And then the opposite side was just like really struggling. So it was like the peak and the pits, I guess. And at the end of it, you're just wondering which side is the bigger story, like the win or the loss. But this was Sydney's game. They had a great goal in the first by Buddy. I'm kind of counting down like everyone for when he'll hit, you know, his 1K. I think he's like 24 away now. But they were in charge the entire time. And even the commentators were saying that Sydney was just toying with West Coast. So there were lots of spats in the game. And they kind of just really kept the Eagles to their lowest score. I think since 1992, they only had 26 points the entire game. Still better than Richmond last week, as we discussed, but still. At this point, I feel like, well, people have just been savage to the Eagles, like outright. They're underperforming. Everyone's saying they've lost their desire. Honestly, I think everyone knows that West Coast is bad on the road. Like, it's almost like an accepted notion. Like, they're just terrible on the road. But I feel like, (laughs) really, they've convinced themselves that they're bad on the road. Like, that's just my take anyway. It's not that they're terrible or they've lost ambition and drive. It's the players themselves are like, we're bad on the road. So hopefully that will change and they can turn kind of that negativity into some great energy for the next round because I think they really need it. And in the Geelong versus Essendon game, Danger played his best footy and Parrish also his, which was amazing. And at the end, Parrish got another medal, which was a little crazy because he had to accept it again as a losing side. But I think that makes him maybe the one, if not only, who has 
received the Anzac Medal, the Yayukin Award, and the Tom Wills Award in one season. In the Melbourne versus Giants game, Melbourne lost to the Giants, which is keeping GWS's season alive, and they stomped their way into the eighth rung on the ladder. So again, a really interesting round. Some games may be predictable, others just really shocking. And in terms of headlines, there was one, a very surprising announcement. Steve Hawking announced that he was leaving as AFL footy operations boss, the GM of football, and at the same time that he was accepting the CEO CEO, excuse me, role with Geelong. So he'll be leaving his position on Thursday, a very quick turnaround. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. <laughs> Certainly not me. And he has been credited with several changes in the last few years, like the 666 rule and standing the mark, reducing the interchange and the arc, which we badly needed, and the intro of the medical sub this season. So he's credited for making the game just more watchable, freeing the Sharon, freeing up congestion. And I think Brad Scott is lining up for the role. At least that's what I'm hearing. Two, Sam Mitchell announced that he was pulling out of contention for the Collingwood head coaching gig. So it was almost like a chess move in setup because it automatically made you think something must be happening at Hawthorne then if he's going to pull out. And then three, shortly thereafter, <laughs> yesterday, Hawthorne and Clarko announced a succession plan to hand over the reins to Sam Mitchell. I think the fourth um, really fun headline for the week is Kath Lofnan is the first female host on AFL 360, and she filled in for Jared while he was away. Just a really exciting like thing for all of us. I mean, it was a huge round of recaps, and I really just love seeing more of her and hearing her takes on everything. So I hope she'll come back, and I hope she'll be back for more. And I would say the fifth headline <laughs> was Tex signing on. So there was a scary moment in the Adelaide game where he looked like he might get his like neck taken off. I mean, it almost looked like a decapitation move during the game. But he has signed on for another year in what will be his 15th season. So he is the leading goal kicker for them at the moment. And he is their most successful goal kicker in their history. And he is in top form at age 31. So what did you guys think of the round? Is there anything you think we learned about the teams or the coaches? How are you feeling about your team? How are you feeling about your super coach team after that round? And what are you most looking forward to? I feel like there's still so much to come. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to share. Okay, it's intermission. So during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. The NCAA has determined that they will now allow college athletes here to profit off of their names, images, and likenesses. So that does change the game for a lot of people. I'm still kind of debating how I feel about it. I think I'm more on the side of players getting paid um, legally <laughs> and being able to really make money off of their likeness. Because I always wondered in the AFL when they're this is not the greatest example, but I have seen in the bomber shop like a Walla doll. And, you know, I always wondered if he was getting like some cut of that. There's like 
pins and socks and all kinds of different things that you can get with players on them. So I always wonder just kind of like where the line is and what's happening. So July means a lot of things to a lot of people, but July 1st means Bobby Bonilla Day to Mets fans. And he has essentially the contract I feel that just keeps on giving. <laughs> so I don't believe there's anything like this in the AFL. Obviously, they're very different leagues. So the last time that Bobby played for the Mets was in 1999, and he hasn't played in the majors since 2001. But he was able to negotiate a contract because they were planning to buy out well they bought out his contract but instead of a payout all in a lump sum they agreed to a deferred payment plan so the Mets are paying him over 1.1 million every year in July from 2011 to 2035 so I think that's 25 years of just what I think of like if you're willing to wait for it like in Hamilton it's definitely worth it and because of the salary structure, too, many of the younger players now make half of just that check that he is getting every year. So that's an exciting celebration, kind of an interesting point. Again, I have been looking for something similar to that in the AFL, even when it comes to coaches, but I haven't been able to find anything like that. And he is not the only player where that is happening. I think there's just a handful of players who are getting these deferred payments annually. And also in the NBA, I know we've talked about Ben Simmons, but, and I'm sure he is also the most tweeted about athlete of the moment. I am curious about what you think about him pulling out of playing for Australia's Olympic team. So he was initially going to go to Tokyo and play along with the team, and he has since pulled out following the NBA season for his team. I think it is exciting to finally get an all-star for the country. I think as a whole, Australia has finished, I want to say fourth a bunch of times. So just outside of the medals. And so it was. it is great to have an opportunity. I am curious about what all of you think. Um, because the Ben Simmons that I was seeing, I mean, maybe you don't want him playing for you. I don't even know if you would qualify for your team at this point. But I am curious about what all of you think with just that move. And speaking of the Olympics, an athlete with the Serbian Olympic team has tested positive for COVID after arriving in Japan. So we're less than three weeks away before the games. And the city officials have confirmed that he did test positive at the Tokyo airport. So we've taken an, another athlete out of the running for testing positive for marijuana um, and so that's just like another talking point where, again, that's not a performance-enhancing drug. Um, they are going to be taken out of the running for literally a running track and field event. I, I don't know how to feel about that still. Would love to know your thoughts on that, too. And no overseas fans are actually going to be allowed. I think the domestic spectators are going to be capped at like 10,000 per event. So I'm kind of... Again, a little bit leery about what will happen at the Olympics. I don't know if it should go forward. I think we've already had to defer by a year. I understand like there's a lot of frustration and disappointment surrounding that. And I think athletes' bodies change over a year. And 
it's just going to be a really interesting, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I think it's going to be a really interesting thing to see what develops, especially now that the players are there, we're getting positive tests. I just don't know like what's going to happen. And hopefully it won't be like a bad car accident that we can't take our eyes off of. And Formula One's Grand Prix in Australia actually will be canceled again, too. So this is the second year in a row, I think, in the midst of everything last year. I remember when the drivers landed and a lot of them were saying, why are we even here? And they were kind of the first event to really be canceled in the overarching, like everyone kind of canceling sport of 2020. But now we're on to act two. And I kind of wanted to talk about succession planning. So it was regards to the AFL. Typically, it is a process, I think, for just identifying and developing like new leaders who are replacing an old leader, like when they leave or when they retire and God forbid, pass away. In terms of the AFL, though, I kind of like to think of it as having someone in place to replace a key position in your organization. So Clarko went to Hawthorne, apparently. I think it's come out a little bit after the press conferences that he did talk to the board about his future. And apparently they said that they wouldn't be extending his contract beyond next year. And then I guess they told him two weeks ago that he would be replaced by Sam Mitchell, the Hawks champ that we also talked about, which was part of that succession plan that they kind of announced yesterday. So the club actually decided to wait to announce that news until Silk (laughs) played his 400th game on Saturday night against Port. They, I think, just didn't want to overshadow or take any press away from that huge moment and milestone. So they kind of have plans for a handoff. I'm really interested in seeing if it's going to be like my club with the two coach pass it on. I think Clarko is supposed to stay until 2023 and then everything will get handed over. I mean, let's talk about Clarko. I've said before that he is arguably, and I feel he is the best coach in the business. So I don't mean to like pile on and speculate, but I do wonder at this point if he does get his pick, if he wants to continue to coach of after 18 years with like a really great track record, I think he kind of does get his pick of a job. And I know there are several vacancies, so everyone is kind of wondering whether or not, you know, he might slide into the Collingwood role, per se. And I think at this point, he might not even entertain an offer from a club that has a person in that role. Like, I think he's not going to interview, quote unquote, for any position that's already filled. I think that you know, he would probably rather consider something where he can kind of go and, you know, change things up, but not have someone actually there. And there are both (laughs) situations at the moment. I think at this point, it is almost set up too nicely for him to, again, slide into the Collingwood role. I think that would actually solidify the board there and basically end all rumblings of like an EGM or anyone else trying to change the board or kind of come in and be a new president. And Kenneth has also come out and said that if Clarko wants to leave early, you know, he's able to and kind of with all the best wishes, they're willing to let him go. So Hawthorne will honor the contract, I think, if he does find another role somewhere else or if a club kind of scoops him out. So they won't have to do like a payout. I think 
the way, as far as I understand it, tell me if I'm wrong, but from an outside perspective and from what I've been able to kind of glean, when a coach retires, they, if it's early, they kind of maybe agree with the club on some kind of mutual negotiated payout. I think it might not be the full amount. It could be like a reduced amount. But I think if they, because Bucks was contracted till the end of this year, I think he got a payout and they'll move on. Obviously, it's different if you are fired and if you quit. I think if you sack a coach with, I think that gets, that's totally different because with the way that the soft cap now works, they would have to pay like, out the coach and then an incoming coach. So I think they'd have to like cut assistance or resources somewhere else if you, again, sack a coach and kind of bring in a new one. I guess my pitch kind of to Clarko and what I would really love to see him do is for him to go to the Gold Coast. I know it's probably controversial. I know it's tough because as you know, I love Stu Do, but hear me out. I think the way that his contract is lined up, it's also in tandem with the same time that Studio's contract also ends. So personally, I feel like that lines up perfectly. I think if he were to go there, he would entirely change up the program. And I'm just thinking of like what Ron Brassi was able to do for Melbourne and for Sydney. I do think that if Clarko went to Gold Coast, they would be able to secure players for longer term contracts. I think that they would have that last element that they need for security and for their future. I know that it's just a club that has kind of been towing the line ever since conception. And I mean, I really love them and I want them to stay, but I really think it would be great if he went up there and just kind of locked everything down and shaped everything together. And I'm not saying Studio can't do that. I love you, Studio. <laughs> and for Gold Coast fans, I'm not trying to scare anyone. But I do think that that would be a great next step if you want to next level it for your club. So that's just how I feel about succession planning. I am really interested in seeing what's going to happen. Again, I think those coaches are friends. <laughs> so, And I never see like a coach in the AFL at least step down and become like an assistant for someone else unless they're like the interim coach because I can't imagine that wouldn't like destabilize the entire thing. So as I said, he's likely to replace Collingwood and become the new person. But, you know, I think we'll all be surprised if he does stay as long as Hawthorne has announced that he will. And now it's the after show. And this week, I just have some shameless plugs for you. <laughs> so I'm going to be bumping my Facebook page with photos. So you can kind of go back and see my journey and what I've been referring to in terms of stories. If you want to check that out this week. And also, I started a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> so if you like what you're hearing and you just want to keep some caffeine in my system to keep me fueled for future epis, I would love you for it. But thank you so much for sharing a part of your day with me and keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day, maybe with a coffee in your hand. And that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And let me know what you think. <laughs> Thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.